How's it everyone? Welcome to this Monday morning and our devotionals continue in the book of Psalms and today we're looking at Psalm chapter 40. It really is so good to be back. Thank you to all the guys who've been doing the, such amazing devotionals for the last little while while Cindy and I have been away. Um, but really excited to be home. We had a wonderful day yesterday at the studio trying to work out how to get everything working. And yeah, just sorting out some of the gremlins a little bit, but really just enjoying each season that God's got us in and not wanting to just run past anything, but learn the best that we can from each season and grow the best and enjoy what God has given us in each part of the journey. Anyway, that's that's all by the by. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit to us from Psalm chapter 40 about something that really gets me excited. When I study God's word, I often look for processes. I, I look at what God is like. So I want to know, what does this teach me about who he is? That's like really important to me so that I can kind of get an understanding of, oh, so that's how he works. And so I'm just going to read the first three verses of Psalm chapter 40, because that pretty much talks a little bit about a process of David. And I mean, it's an amazing Psalm and there's so much in there, but I want to jump and just look at this process a little bit in Psalm chapter 40, the first three verses that might be helpful. So Psalm 40, for the director of music of David, a Psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pits, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God. And so there's four parts to this. The first part is kind of like the heading of um, uh, the first verse is the heading of what David's saying about what God is doing about him waiting on God. And then the, the next two verses, verse 2 and verse 3, describe what God does. And it kind of doubles up. So when it says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, it, it expands on that first thought. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. It expands again on that thought of he set my feet on a rock. He put a new song on my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. It expands. And so what David is saying here, and, and I've I've been meditating, maybe it's just because I've been on leave and um, in a you know just a quite a thoughtful space. What David's saying here is, he starts off and he says, "I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry." Now I've been thinking a lot about that this last while about how do I wait on God? Do I wait patiently on God, or do I wait impatiently? Do I want God to move like this? Do I want God to? Be like the genie in the bottle, you know, rub the bottle out, he pops and gives me three wishes. Do I want God to just suddenly come through for me? Or do I wait patiently for him? God, you are the only one. I can cry out to you. Lord, you are the only one and I will wait for you. As long as it takes, I will wait for you. Because I know that your word says that you will turn. And turn doesn't mean not that God has a back. But turn just means God will move in his time and he hears my cry. And... I think in that, for many of us, the Bible has these promises that God promises us. But the, it seems like what David's requirement is here, if I wait patiently, then I will receive the promise of God. So there is something for me to do. And it's sort of an active waiting, not a passive waiting. You know, I'm actively waiting on God for him to do something, expecting him to come through. And he will come through. But how God answers David is quite interesting because this is the process. David has to wait patiently. But then God does three things. First of all, God lifts us up out of the slimy pit. And 
So that's the first thing God does. When he wants to come and rescue us or come and save us or come and bring change in our lives, he lifts us out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. And that talks about sin. It talks about brokenness. It talks about things that are not good that God lifts us out of. And I think for myself, sometimes I'm crying out to God saying, God, save me. But I don't want to leave the mud in the mire. I don't want to come out of the slimy pit. I'm happy to be in the slimy pit. I like my sin. I like my brokenness. I like my insecurities. I like my hidden stuff that I do. You know what I mean? Like I, I surround myself with these things. So I'm saying to God, now I want you to climb into the slimy pit with me and make it more comfortable here. Can you just sort of take the smell away a little bit? And maybe maybe we can have peach-scented slime, you know, or rose-scented slime to make it better. But friends, when we ask God, and we're crying out to God, and we say, God, I want you to save me. The first thing he's going to do is he's going to look at the things in our lives which are destructive, sin, unhelpful, which are not in line with his word, and he's going to want to lift us out of them. And if we don't allow him to lift us out of those things and turn our back on those things, we're never, ever going to get to the next stage of God's process, if you like. Because the second place is he sets my feet on a rock. He gives me a firm place to stand. And the firm place that my feet stand on, the Bible talks about the word of God is this rock that I build my life on. And so what God does is he lifts me out. So this is me crying out to God. God, help me. God says, okay, the first thing I want to do is I want to rescue you from the sin and the brokenness and all this stuff. Rescue you from this situation. I'm going to lift you out of it. But then I want to put your feet on the rock. Now, this rock isn't some amorphous thing. Like I said, it's the word of God. Both the written word, which is the Bible, and the living word, which is Jesus. And I, I think when I read this, I'm like, oh God, I want you to put my feet on a rock. But I don't often think through what that rock is. The rock is always going to be Jesus, the living word, and the Bible, the written word. And if I'm someone who doesn't look at the Bible as a rock, and if I don't see Jesus as a rock on which I stand, God's going to put me and take me to that rock, and I'm going to go try to find another rock. And you know the thing is, there is no other rock. There is only the rock, which is Jesus, and then there is the slimy pit. And if I'm not standing on the rock, I'm going to go stand back in the slimy pit. And so God, this is kind of telling us God's plan. I'm going to lift you out. I'm going to put you on this rock. Then the third thing, he says, so he sets my feet on this rock, and then he puts a new song in my mouth. And what I love about that is I've often thought to myself, that I, I don't always know how to thank God for what he's done for me. I don't always know how to, um, like when it comes to worship, how do you adore and how do you say thank you to God? And how, how do you even grow in this understanding of just falling more in love with God or understanding what he's like? And this text says that if I come to him and if I'm standing on the rock, which is his word, and I've been lifted out, what happens is God puts a song in my mouth. He does it. And I love that. It's like... He's not sitting there like some sort of taskmaster who's rolling out the bill. Well, I lifted you out the slimy pit, so that'll be this much. And then uh, I, you know, I stitch on the rocks, so it's going to be this much. Therefore, you owe me this much. It's so beautiful. He says, I'll lift you out of the pit. I'll set you on the rock. And then I will even give you the words in your mouth to say thank you to me. That I will even bless you that far. That I understand that you don't fully understand. I understand that you're my child. And that I can come to him and say, God, I don't have the words. And he begins to put his words in my mouth. And what's so beautiful about that is when he puts his words in our mouths, they're not only towards back towards him. But the second half of verse 3 says, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And so what God does is he lifts us out, he puts us on the rock, and then he gives us the message, who gives us the word, who gives us the encouragement that we can take to a dying world to be able to encourage him. And so friends, maybe here's the thing for you, for each of us today, just to process. 
when I'm going to go to God and I want to cry, am I prepared to change? Am I prepared to move out of the miry pit? Because if I'm not, I, I don't think it's worth asking God to try and help. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be hard and judgmental with that. But if I'm going to sit and hold on to my sin and say, God, I want you to rescue me from the implications of these things, but I want to hold on to them. He's not going to do that because God is holy and he is righteous. He wants to lift us out. He wants to set us on that rock that our feet are sure, that I know what I'm standing for. My life is built on something secure. And then he gives me the words to tell a, tell a dying world about this incredible Savior that we have. Can't wait to see you guys in the rest of the week. Tomorrow morning is going to be amazing. I've got a buddy of mine, Paul Collinson, from Australia, leads an amazing church in Warrnambool, who's doing our leadership devotional tomorrow. Um, so really, really stoked for that. And then for the rest of the week as well. Thanks so much for joining me this morning.